I was in a well sought after company, a crazy role. I had power. I had prestige. I had money. But at that moment, I knew I was like, I'm not in control here at all. And it can all go away. And for so I looked around and for so many of my peers, it did go away. And so that was eye opening for me. I I decided that would never happen to me. That would never happen to my family. I had to put something in place to make sure that I was protected. And now, you know, tech is super sexy. It's the place to be. But we're not exempt. We're not exempt. And I don't want people, engineers and people in tech and project managers who support tech. I don't want them to be looking at the glamorousness of it all that I'm making this high salary. I work for this great company. It's like, don't forget. You got to have something else going on. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, Chief Inspiration Officer here at Dreamcatchers. And I went, I don't know where I found her. Maybe it was LinkedIn. Maybe it was on the interwebs. I have no idea. But I've got Jerry Dozier in with me today. She's down in Atlanta and she's bringing this crazy message. I'll never forget. I went to the mailbox one day. I pulled out a magazine and it was her smiling face on the cover. And I was like, wait, when did all this happen? And so I reached out. She ignored me. She was so big time. I couldn't even get in with her. But somehow, I've been able to work my way back into her graces. Jerry, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? (laughs) Better now that I'm with you. So, like, who is Jerry and why is she on a magazine cover? Let's start there and then we'll, we'll move around this thing a little bit. Yes. That magazine cover, it really set my career on a different trajectory. And so that's definitely a great place to start. Jerry is a nerd, pretty techie. I studied engineering and I started my career working various different different jobs, doing different things. And I just really couldn't find my it thing. I was kind of like, why am I here? What am I doing? That's kind of where it started. And I went to get an MBA because I was thinking maybe engineering isn't even my thing at all. Like, let's start over. I love business. Let's maybe I want to go into marketing. Like maybe I want to do something completely different. And so I go get an MBA and I start looking for jobs and it's hard. I'm hit with all kinds of roadblocks because I was trying to go into marketing 
And I talked to an alumnus of, I went to University of Maryland. I talked to an alumnus and she's like, if you want to go into marketing, they're going to want you to start at the bottom. Like you're going to have to start over again. You know, by this point, I already had, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years of engineering experience, maybe a little bit more. And I just wasn't willing to take the salary hit. You know, I just couldn't start over. So I'm like, let me reevaluate. What am I really going to do? I just, you know, spent over a hundred thousand on this degree. Like, what am I going to do with it? And that alumnus, she was like, you have to figure out how to use your engineering background and make it work for you. So I just started applying for engineering jobs and I sent a cold LinkedIn message to a recruiter at Tesla. At the time I was living in DC, but I was kind of looking all over the country for jobs. Cause I was like, I gotta go, I gotta make a huge jump in salary. Like I gotta make this thing work. And so I sent a cold message to a recruiter at Tesla and that was it. She responded within the hour like, where's your resume? Let's get on the phone. And then, I, you know, within a couple of months, I moved out to California. I, I was working at Tesla as an engineer and it just took off from there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I know I said a lot. <laughs> you said <laughs> a lot. And I'm trying to figure out all the stuff, right? Because you literally skipped everything. Like, where are you from? And how do you get to engineering? And then where does this, like, I'm not an engineer. You say I'm a nerd, but in the same breath, you're saying, hey, I'm not your typical engineer because mm-hmm. I don't know a single engineer who wants to go get a marketing degree. And so you, you're having a different conversation. So like what led you to the place where maybe you wanted to attend this illustrious university that we went to? And then you go into industry and you, you start questioning whether or not that degree and the career path you chose was the right one. So my dad, he was an electrician. He worked for the city of Cincinnati and he worked with engineers. And so, you know, he had an associate's degree. He didn't, my dad actually dropped out of high school, got his GED and then went and got an associate's degree. So he was working as an electrician and he always glorified these engineers that he worked with. And so here I am, his namesake, I'm named after him. He's Jerry. And he's like, you're smart, you know, math, you know, science, those things always came natural to me. He's like, you're going to do electrical engineering. So he essentially picked it for me. I didn't really know what I wanted to do coming out of high school, but I knew that math came easy to me. I was always into numbers. I was always into money and things like that. And then science, I mean, it just came to me. So here I am. I I end up at, I knew I wanted to go to an HBCU. So um, a family friend had actually went to North Carolina A&T. So between him and my dad, I'm at North Carolina A&T and I'm doing electrical engineering. (laughs) That is how that happened. And so I I finished A&T. You know, school came easy to me. For the first three years of of A&T, I had a (laughs) 4.0. Like, so school was just something I always loved, you know, no big deal. Okay, so I get to A&T. I'm studying electrical engineering. 
it's going pretty easy for me. The first three years I had a 4.0 until I started, you know, trying to be popular on campus and live my life. But up until that point, school was easy. I was, you know, killing it. And so I think I really just, I started to discover that maybe I made the wrong choice when I took my first couple of internships and I was just bored. I mean, I was just like, what is this? I'm trying to think of how to put it into to words. It just wasn't interesting at all. I was like, I didn't understand the problems we were solving. I was like, what am I doing? So it, it really started there before I graduated. I was like, let me study for this GMAT because I think I want to go to business school right away. I don't want to take a job. If the job is going to be like these internships, I need to make a different choice right now. So I bombed the GMAT and I was like, couldn't get into, I didn't even try. Like I did so bad on the GMAT that I didn't even try to get into business school. So I took a job and I probably just worked for, you know, six or seven years, just bored, no direction. I think one of the, the things that really, that didn't help was that I was always the only woman. I was usually the only black person at all of my jobs and all of my opportunities. And I just couldn't, I didn't have a connection. I had no connection to what I was doing. I was literally just collecting a check. Collecting a check, but you were doing a good job, right? I mean, it's not like you were just literally showing up and leaving. No, I mean, people loved me, right? Like <laughs> somehow I had the ability to show up at work, be completely disinterested and still have fans. Like people were, I still talk to people, you know, from my first and second job to this day. They're like, you're great. Like, so I, I was just like, I got to do something else. So I continued working those jobs. I ended up going to get the MBA. I finally buckled down, got through the GMAT and got into University of Maryland. And from there, like I said, I, I took the role with Tesla and what's interesting is that I, I knew I had to make more money. I was making decent money before, you know, before the NBA. And that was kind of like a, a difference between me and my, my peers who were taking the NBA with me. They were probably in the 50s, right? They were making like $50,000, $60,000. And I was already almost at 100. Like I was in the 90s. And so you know, they were getting job opportunities where I was already. And it was just like, no, I don't want those jobs either. So I took the role with Tesla and immediately there was a $45,000 difference in salary. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> people usually only get that when they leave college. What are you talking about? Did you go into leadership? Like what happened? How do you transition? I was lucky enough to be going from East Coast to West Coast. That was a huge, that played a big role in it because East Coast, the salaries are lower. West Coast, everything is more expensive. Housing, food, employment. So, and they know to get somebody to move from East Coast to West Coast where your living expenses are likely going to double. 
they got to pay. So, and I mean, that was just the tip of the iceberg. That was just salary. And Excuse then, me? and then the stock started rolling in. So, I mean, it just got crazy. <laughs> it, it literally got crazy. So yeah, I was there. I, I, you asked me what role I went into. I actually took a lateral role. It was a lateral move. I took a, I was a staff engineer. That was the highest level of engineer that you, you could be individual contributor. And in the back of my mind though, I knew I was like, I want to go for this leadership role. I went and got this MBA. I have all the tools. Like I'm doing it. I'm, I'm branding myself as a leader from the moment I hit the door, from the moment I hit the door at Tesla. I was not, you know, what I, what I had done in the past as an engineer is I tried to do very good technical work, right? I made sure my projects were stellar. Like I was, you know, doing all these technical things that made me a very good engineer. But when I got to Tesla, I decided I'm going to position myself as a leader immediately. I immediately started working on like mentoring. I was a highest level engineer. I immediately started mentoring. I immediately started looking at the big picture and trying to figure out the work that we're doing. How does it add value to the bottom line? What does it mean in the grand scheme of things? What improvements can I make beyond the tasks that I've been given? So I was tunnel vision. And then within six months, just the timing aligned. Our manager had quit for whatever reason. Our manager had quit. And now I was, you know, I'm an engineer. I'm reporting to a senior manager. And his organization is just huge. And he's like, I need, you know, clearly I need to open up the role. Like I need somebody to fill it. And I don't even know if he looked externally. He might have. But at the time, there were six of us on the team, just in my immediate team. And there was another guy who, there are actually two guys who were more senior than me. And so all three of us interviewed. And I mean, I killed it. Because I knew what I wanted when I hit the door. And I think I had a fresh perspective and I was just, you know, fresh off my MBA. And I knew that role was mine and it was. So six months later, now I'm promoted to the manager of the team that I was brought in on originally. And at this point, you know, so there's another salary jump. I don't know, maybe, maybe 2025. 20, it wasn't, it wasn't as big as the other one, but you know, cause internal, you face some other challenges trying to make huge salary jumps. So it, it may have been 2025. So within a six month span, you know, I'm, I'm making like $70,000 more than I was before. Plus stocks and bonuses. Yeah. At this, I'm still only seven months in. So I'm still not aware of the, the power of the stock. Oh, yet. excuse me. Okay. Okay. It, it was there. You get it, you know, you get it from the jump, but I, I just hadn't focused on it yet. It, it was okay. there, but I hadn't realized the power of it. And plus I couldn't sell any yet. I hadn't had any, you have to, your, your first year, it doesn't, you know, n- you don't have any vestings until your first year. So it was, you know, invisible. 
didn't really matter. And so, right, I became the manager. And this was right around the time we are launching Model 3. And my manager looks at me and he says, Jerry, we need to like triple the team size. And so off we off I went. I, I ended up growing the team. We went from six to 40. At one point, I had probably 25 direct reports. And I said, I need to create my own organization at this point, right? We're, we're supporting 24-7, two different assembly lines. We're doing S, X, and 3. And there were a couple guys under me who I still love to this day. Um, I promoted them. I created an associate manager layer. And so now I'm like a legit leader in the organization, right? Like I have my own thing going on. And so then the magazine cover, because now I was the only black female technical manager at Tesla. Everybody knew me because I, you know, I just stood out. So Tesla did a really good job of press and, you know, putting their people out there. And so, you know, they had a lot of opportunities for me to represent them, of course, but it was good exposure for me. And it helped validate that this is what I'm here to do. I think I found my answer in that, that being the best engineer wasn't what I was here to do. I was here to build amazing teams. That's what I was here to do. And I had to, I had to go through the engineering piece so that I could talk to the engineers and speak their language. Ooh. So let's talk about that, right? Because I, I had the same epiphany. I was like, man, I don't want to be an engineer. What am I doing? Right. And but there is a vernacular, right? To be to be credible in this space, right? There's there's people who try to do the thing, but they get dismissed immediately because they don't, they're not actually an engineer. And so for you to go do this, get the comp. I, I call it jumping from salary curve to salary curve. High starting salary on engineering side, grow, grow, grow. Jump over to leadership, grow, 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 because that engineering bump. I mean, you said you basically you peaked out, right? You were at the top level in the organization from a technical standpoint. But you, it allows you to continue to grow. Did you appreciate the journey up until that point? Did the previous seven, eight, nine years make sense at that point? Or were you still kind of finding your way through it? I was still finding my way through it because, I mean, it was a grind. It was go. a It was a serious grind. Like, I was drowning. You know, as much as it sounded, you know, you know, like a good opportunity and it was it was glorious and, you know, it came with this and it came with that. It's hard to explain. I had no life. Well, how many That's, hours were you working a week? Oh, Lord. All the hours. All of them? All of the hours. I mean, because we supported 24-7, right? And so, you know, I my day was probably seven to six. And then I'd go home and my phone never stopped ringing. 
Never. So was there like a rock bottom where you're like enough? I didn't, I can't say I had a rock bottom. I mean, that last year was tough. I was, I was there almost four years. And that last year I got pregnant and I knew that I just, I, I didn't have the energy. I couldn't continue on. I couldn't keep doing the, you know, the grind. I, I couldn't keep doing the 10 hour work day and then working another three or four hours when I got home and then not being able to rest well because, you know, my phone is ringing at 12 a.m., 2 a.m., 4 a.m. And then at six, I need to get up and go to work. again. So that was a rock bottom. That was now, a rock bottom. Now you, that's interesting, right? Because everybody would say, oh man, she's living a life. Why don't you just keep the good times rolling? You're like, yeah, I got something more important happening now. Yes. Life, yeah, life had just, it, it was moving on. And I, I was done grinding. Done I was, I, I, I was done grinding. You know, I, I had made the money. At this point, I'm at year three. And so I've gotten three. I don't even know. I don't even know how many stock allotments I had gotten at that point. And my stock, I had stock that was in the 100. So like 150. So, I mean, if you know the history of <laughs> Tesla, it's at $900 right now. I mean, it got up to what? It was over a thousand a couple of months ago. Anyway, so once you see your bank account at a, at a height that you've never seen it before. And you're like, I have options now. Wait, you didn't just go on vacation to buy, buy a new model X or Y come on. S no, can I get actually, the plaid? No, I, I didn't even get my Tesla until last year. <laughs> so all that time, no, I never got one. No. I, so what I started doing is, and ironically, it kind of goes back to my dad. When I was in high school, when my dad finally retired from his, from his city job, he went and got his real estate license and he opened up a brokerage. So real estate was always playing in the back of my mind. Here we go. She's about to talk that talk, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. Real estate was always playing in the back of my mind. And one of my very best friends, she started, she stayed home. She went to college in Cincinnati and she stayed home and started working. And the properties, rental real estate in Cincinnati has always been super, super affordable. So my friend started buying properties for like $30,000. Moving in, she would say it was her primary residence. She'd move in, she'd go on and get another one. So by the time I was working at Tesla, she had 10 plus properties. And she's at the point where she's like, I'm about to quit my job. And so I'm like, I finally had the money to make some of these moves. I'm doing it. And so in 2018, I bought, I, I did my first real estate deal. I actually bought two properties at once. So I went from zero to seven units overnight. And I just kept going. I, it, it felt good. It felt right. I knew the city. I had people there who would help me with managing the properties. 
And I started plowing all of my extra money into real estate. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential, but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, aka the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. Now, you said you kept going. This not to 10. This is no small feat, ladies and gentlemen. Where are you at right now with the whole portfolio? It's, you know, it's still small portfolio. We're at 22. I just closed on my 22nd four unit property. So we have a total of 84 doors. You, you said, <laughs> so you said 22, like it was 22 doors. Now nah, you got to do some multiplication, ladies and gentlemen. She's doing the multifamily thing out here. Come on now. Yes, all multifamily and I'm still looking for more. And so that became, I, I saw how I could, you know, flip the money that I was making in my corporate career, how I could flip it into passive income, something that could help me build long-term wealth so that if essentially I could call the shots. That's what I wanted to do the whole time. <laughs> I wanted to call my own shots and live how I wanted to live. And I had finally it's like all the pieces of the journey have finally come together and I had the answers. And it only took me almost 20 years to do it, but totally overnight success, overnight yeah. success, ladies and gentlemen, that's how you do it. So, all right, you're buying these doors. You got this portfolio. Do you keep working at Tesla? What happens? Like, I mean, your friends quitting with 10. You got 80. Like what, what is life like now? I assume your child was born healthy. Like, are you still in Cali? Like give us the goods. Come on. So, so no, I, as I said, I knew there was no way I could do a pregnancy at Tesla. And ironically, many of the women who I knew I hadn't, I hadn't, I, I was friends with two other women at Tesla who had become pregnant and then they, they left for maternity leave. And they never came back. That, that was the vibe. Like you knew, you knew if a woman left Tesla on her maternity leave, she was not coming back. And, and once I became pregnant, I was like, I know why. Because, and I actually cried when I left Tesla. Like it was a hard decision. My last day, I cried. And not only did I cry, my team cried. Like that was a hard choice. You know, if I could have figured out how to work at Tesla and maintain a personal life, I would have done it. But it didn't work out that way. So I ended up, I knew I wanted to get back to the East, East Coast where I had some family and some support. So, and I wanted to go to Atlanta because I was like, I want to find my forever city. I want to go sit down. What we hadn't said is, at this point, I had lived in about six different cities. 
And I'm like, I'm ready to put down roots somewhere. So I took a job with Honeywell. And ironically, they sought me out because they were building a technology product for aerospace. And they said, we want to be the Tesla of aerospace. So they recruited me, moved me to Atlanta. Perfect. And um, where where do we go from there? I'm still working because honestly, a part of me, I still, I hadn't figured out the healthcare thing yet, right? I'm like, I'm pregnant. I do have this passive income, but I need healthcare. And to be 100% honest, I needed somebody to move me across the country. It's not cheap. (laughs) So I'm like, we're going to get this good reload package. And then we were able to sell our house in California. I mean, that was a whole nother crazy financial situation, more money than I had ever seen in one transaction. (laughs) There's so many layers to this story. So I get to Atlanta, I'm working, I have my son, all is well, I go on maternity leave, and then COVID-19 happens. And my whole project is based around the airline industry. So I come back from maternity leave for maybe a month and then our whole organization gets laid off. And, you know, coming from an engineering background where work has always been super stable and super, you know, I literally never anticipated that ever happening to me just from a a pride standpoint. (laughs) You know, I was blessed. I had the rental properties. I had some stacks of money just sitting for an emergency. So it wasn't the financial hit. It was more so like, what is this going to do to my brand? Like, so definitely some mental, you know, mental challenges. I had to take a step back and it was a blessing. You know, every, every challenge is actually a blessing. So I was, I stayed home for a whole year and I was like, let me try to figure out what I'm going to do. And while I was, you know, at home, my niece, she had up and quit her job. She left Cincinnati. She had it in her mind. She wanted to move to North Carolina. So she moved to North Carolina without a job. And she's like, I'm Gigi. I'm Gigi to her. I, Gigi, you've had so many jobs. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Help me find a job. And so that's what I did with my spare time. I, you know, prepared her for interviews, prepared her profile, looked at her resume. I became a career coach, essentially. And the most rewarding part of that was that she saw but we, we ended up getting her a job. She got a $20,000 pay increase. And I mean, that's game changing. She's in her 20s, right? It was game changing for her. And then, so that happened. And I'm on LinkedIn one day. And a couple of the guys who were on my team at Tesla, he just randomly puts this post up. And it's like, we all need to, you know, 
tell our mentors and people that matter to us how they've affected our lives and, and how we're grateful for them. And he, you know, asked me in the post and he's like, Jerry Dozier, like, I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for you. And he said all these wonderful things about me. And I'm like, who is this guy talking about? But it was really influential in that I was like, I guess what I did mattered to people. Like, I was, I changed, I literally changed people's life at Tesla. And then the comments under the post, you know, all my old team members, all people who used to work with me at Tesla, even my old boss came to that message and was like, so proud to have managed you, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, wow, I think I'm really going to do this. Like, what I didn't say was probably three years ago, I had wrote down in my journal that I wanted to start a coaching business. I didn't know what I was going to coach at that time, but people have always come to me for advice. I'm always helping somebody figure something out, you know, and I genuinely care about people and their success. So I was like, this is the year between his, my, my old coworkers kind words about, you know, how I changed his life and his mindset and all these different things and helping my niece find a job, helping her make a game-changing salary increase. I was like, this is it. I've never had a problem finding my own job. At that point, I, you know, I had 5X, I did the, the math. I had 5X my salary from when I left North Carolina a and I'm like, this is not normal. People are not doing this every day. And I was like, I got to help more people do it. So what is your coaching practice called? So my business is called my, my business is called build your career brand because I believe that if you brand yourself appropriately, you can get any job you want. You can get asked for any amount of money that you want and you'll get it. And so what I focus on is helping professionals and leaders in STEM careers get new jobs land high five figure salary increases so that they can ultimately take those salary increases and change their life to actually do something that's going to matter long term. I think a lot of people in STEM careers, you get spoiled with the money, right? It just becomes nothing to you. The kids are coming out of college right now making 100000 They're completely normalized to it. And what happens is that you start to make your lifestyle match the salary and you don't realize that like you're just tricking off money. Essentially, you have no worries, no cares. You're you're living great. But at the end of the year, most people have spent their entire salary. And then some because they got credit card debt. Don't leave that out. And then some. And so the only thing that saved me when I was laid off was that I had the passive income rolling in. Let that sink in, ladies and gentlemen. And it's not just the passive income because you said you had some money in savings. I feel like you had an emergency fund. 
I, I did. I had an emergency fund. I had unknowingly, I had unknowingly prepared for that moment. And, and I can't say that it was random. Because I withstood two downturns at Tesla. It was very volatile at that time. You know, it was hit or miss. We didn't know where the company was going. And so there, there was a point where I had, we had to let some people go from our team. And that was, that was game changing for me. I was like, I will never be in a position where I'm let go and I don't have any other money coming in. And now I'm stuck trying to figure out literally how to put food on the table. That 2009 recession, I I looked around and I watched them eliminate a layer of vice presidents at the company I was working at. And I said, you're not in control. It's all an illusion of security. That part, the illusion I was in a well sought after company, a crazy role. I had power. I had prestige. I had money. But at that moment, I knew I was like, I'm not in control here at all. And it can all go away. And for so I looked around and for so many of my peers, it did go away. And so that was eye opening for me. I I decided that would never happen to me. That would never happen to my family. I had to put something in place to make sure that I was protected. And now, you know, tech is super sexy. It's the place to be. But we're not exempt. We're not exempt. And I don't want people, engineers and people in tech and project managers who support tech. I don't want them to be looking at the glamorousness of it all that I'm making this high salary. I work for this great company. It's like, don't forget. You got to have something else going on. And if you're working all of the hours, as you called it, (laughs) it's really hard to have something else going on. You got to carve out time. I'm an expert at carving out time. Here we go. So you've been out. You you took a gap year. I'm going to call it a gap year. That's a sexy thing when you're wealthy, right? You take the gap year. I don't need to do anything (laughs) to earn income this year. I'm going to. I'm going to go do whatever. Some people go travel. Some people spend time with their kid. Some people do whatever, right? But I I need this break. I need this mental break for this transition. I'm sure they called though, because the brand is strong, right? You're an expert on creating that brand so that you can ask for the money that you want for the role that you want. Did the phone ring? Did they try to pull you back in? Absolutely. Absolutely. They tried to pull me back in and they succeeded. They succeeded. I took a job, but I took the job knowing that I still have my real estate business going. I'm still growing that. I'm building my coaching business and I'm going to work this job for seed money. Period. Ooh, ooh, what's the seed money? You talking that talk. You done been out in California. Y'all got fancy. What is seed money? <laughs> this is like the, the foundation that my coaching business is built on. And this is why I say 
you get high five figure salary increases to chart your path to financial freedom. If you want to invest in real estate, put some money aside in stocks, whatever it is that you want to invest in, I believe you should be able to do it without reducing your lifestyle, right? You shouldn't have to sell your car. You shouldn't have to eat ramen noodle. You shouldn't have to, you know, do all these crazy things to come up with some extra money that you have that you don't need. That extra money that you need to make those investments. I think your job should supply that. What are we working for if they're not giving us the extra, right? We have to move beyond just the fulfillment, right? Just the enough to put food on my table, enough to put gas in my car. Service and debt. We just need to service the debt, right? Right. No, I'm talking about service the debt and then give me the extra. Where's the extra? I'm working for extra. Period. Abundance. Overflow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So most people think, oh, well, you know, the 3% is good, or I got a 5% bump. I'm, I'm killing it out here. What are you talking about? You're, you're talking about it. You're having a different conversation with folks these days. Yes. We're, I mean, I'm working to get people twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, something that's really going to matter. You get a 3% bump at work, you might get $5,000 before taxes. That's not going to help you at all. You're not even going. And the the issue, or I guess the most eye-opening piece about it is that most people don't even run the calculations. They look at it and they say, I went from making $125 to $132. I'm killing it. But at the end of the day, at the end wait, of the wait, year. She laughed. She laughed. Did you guys see the snicker? <laughs> Go ahead. I'm no sorry. Dis- I- no disrespect because that is definitely good money in America today. No, no. It's good money. But the once you have your eyes open to what you, you're about to go down the path, but once your eyes are open and you see the way that other people see the world, all you can do is shake your head. It's the red, blue, blue red pill, blue pill, right? Like once you see the truth of what's actually possible, it's, it's kind of hard to live in that ignorant bliss. I, I'm still in the thunder, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. Can we, please keep. So. Right. I'm saying even if you get a six or seven thousand dollars, seven thousand is pretty good. You're not going to get seven thousand dollars from anybody unless you get a promotion. So even if you get, let's say, five thousand dollars, which is more like the average, it ends up being about one hundred or one hundred and fifty dollars different every month. And I'm literally spending that on DoorDash, like in one meal. So I'm not going to hustle for an extra five thousand dollars. I can't do it. It's not worth my time. We'll take it. We'll take it. But we need to have our, we need to have a strategy. We need to have a game plan. We need to figure out how am I going to turn 125 to 150 to 175 to 200 so that, you know, I'm living great, you know, on my salary of 125 or whatever. But if I can have an extra $50,000 a year, I mean, depending on how you finance things, you can, you can do exactly what I did. You can go from no rental properties to 
five or six, you know? And now, you know, you look up and you got two, three, four extra thousand dollars coming in. And that's probably your whole check. She's talking that talk, ladies. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) the math is funny because you're speaking specifically to people who have technical backgrounds and we're not doing the math. We're not doing the math. Like we, we went, we went through four years of the grind of university. We're, we're doing calculus 18 and differential equations. I hated that class, man. Shout out to Dr. Clemens. And <laughs> we, we put the pencil down and we feel like we can only use math when we at work. But we don't use it for the bank account. We're not trying to figure out how to make right, the money stretch. That's all we were supposed to do, right? From my dad's perspective, he's like, you made it. You know, my salary, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but <laughs> my salary leaving A&T was what he was going to make at retirement. It's so true for those first generation wealth okay. creators is what I call yeah. them, right? Yeah. The first ones that go away to school. You know, if you know about the TRIO programs, there's some of the other bridge programs that were out there to help you be successful because granddaddy won't an engineer. Granddaddy might not have graduated from high school. And great granddaddy didn't start the business two years or two generations ago. So you can just walk in and be president out of college. So this is totally different conversation. But what these degrees do for those folks is give them the opportunity to earn a high income. And instead of putting it in places where it grows, we go show people that we making money now. We got the cars and we got the vacations and we got the jewelry and we got the pick the thing and we're not actually creating anything for that next generation. And so I I love your message and I, I love the mission even more because I think it's a conversation that's not being had. And I think you're the person, perfect person to champion it because you actually did it. You're not talking theory. This is proven out in your experience. So we talked about this a little bit in the salary bump conversation, but when you think about pre-recognition of the fact that these things can happen when you build a brand to today, like what's the biggest difference in the way that you approach life? I, I, I think the major difference in approach for me is that I approach everything from a proactive approach. Whatever I have decided that I want, I don't need to think about it as what do I need to do for someone else to accept me, for someone else to open the door, for someone else to make this a possibility. It's chart a path to get there, work the path, and don't let anything stop you. That is my perspective on life in general. And and what that means is the only reason that you don't have what you want, that you're not making the money that you want, that you're not, that you don't have the job that you want is because you haven't committed to yourself that that's what you want and that you're willing to do what it takes to go get it. 
Y'all better listen. <laughs> She's calling y'all out. She might be calling me out too. I don't know. Uh, I'm well, listening. Go ahead. Calling keep myself keep out. I'm calling myself out too. It's like, go get it. That's what I tell myself every day. You know, if it's something you want, even, even my friends, when people call me for advice, they call me with complaining. What are we going to do? Right. I'll let you vent for like a few minutes, but what are we going to do? If you focus more on the action, you're constantly making progress. You're constantly moving yourself forward. You don't have time to complain when you're acting. You don't have time to complain when you're acting. Ooh, fix the problem. Stop talking about it. Some people just want to wallow in it, though. And, you know, I think there's a place for that. But my, my personal rule is 24 hours. You have 24 hours to feel bad about it, to be down on yourself, to sit in the dark room, covers over your head, whatever it is you want to do. You got 24 hours. The next day, we're hitting the ground. We're hitting the ground, okay? I went through this with my niece, and I love that she literally took that from me, and she moves with it, right? You get a rejection from a job offer. You know, you get laid off, you get this, you get that. You get 24 hours to feel bad about it. And the next day I'm calling you and I'm like, what's the game plan? You can't feel bad when you're trying to figure out your next move and you're acting. It's impossible. You can only sit and, and wallow in it if you're just sitting, if you're doing nothing, because your brain can continue to work the cycle, work the cycle and, and remember all the bad things that happen. But when you tell your brain, no, I need to figure out how to get from point A to point B, like your brain is thinking about that. Activate the reticular activating system. So Jerry, what are you most grateful for? What am I most grateful for? Right now, today, I am most grateful for mental health to be 100% honest, because I think being mentally health, healthy has allowed me to, to figure out exactly how I want my life to look and to go get it in all areas, right? I'm able to have the family life that I want. I'm able to have the relationship with my son that I want. I'm able to, you know, have investments and build a business and if I wasn't grounded in who I am and what I believe in, things would be hectic. I would be stressed. And I'm grateful right now that I'm able to, quote unquote, have it all without stress. And I feel good about it. And I, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for mental health right now. Beautiful. I think it's one of the greatest gifts that and most people don't even understand what it is because there's no focus on it. So the listeners are like, OK, because a lot of them are in corporate America. The other half are out and the people who are in are trying to how to create a path so that they can't get out. So 
how can they get in contact with you? Because they need to get those 20, 30, 40, $50,000 salary increases so they can create that gap so they can place it here or put it in real estate or do whatever they're going to do to get their exit plan together. Where do they go? So go to my website, jerrydozier.com. You'll see the ways to work with me. I'm actually launching my first one-on-one coaching program. And so if you go to jerrydozier.com, you can join my email list. And I think the best, the first stop is to grab a copy of my free guide. I have a free guide. It is a step-by-step salary negotiation guide to get your five-figure salary increase. If you want to go the DIY route, I give lots of information about how salary and compensation actually works at companies. A lot of people don't understand that. So I give that. I give tools and tips so that if you are in a position to negotiate for a salary or you can go to your boss and try to get some extra money in your current role before I open up my coaching program or before you get a chance to work with me, I want to give you the tools. I want you to be, have the, the right tools and the right things to say so that you can make a change today. So if you go to jerrydozier.com, all the information is there. I'm heavy on LinkedIn. You can just look me up. I'm Jerry Dozier on LinkedIn. And I'm looking to connect with people in tech who are ready to make a change, who, you know, are just numb to the fact that they make six figures. It's like, what's next? If you want to know what's next, work with me. Beautiful. So the final question. So when I ask everybody, what's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from this episode? The one thing I want the listeners to take away from this episode is that if you are in corporate America or if you are working any job, you have to figure out a way to make that job, career, whatever it is, it should be working for you. You have to internalize that. You're not just put here to, you know, make output for somebody else to get a return on their investment. How are you getting a return on your investment or on your time that you're spending, whether you did college, you know, working all of the hours, as I mentioned, degree after degree, hustle after hustle? How is that serving you? I really want people to internalize that, have that conversation with yourself. Are you being served? And I'm not talking about, do I love my job? Because, you know, that's just an illusion. I'm talking about what benefit am I receiving from this opportunity where I spend a lot of time and a lot of energy? You got to have an answer. If you don't have an answer, you got to spend some time figuring it out or, or, or work with me and we'll go figure out how to make your next role serve you. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Dozier, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real. <laughs>